What's new at Cold Wax Academy? Rebecca and Jerry launched their spring quarter on April 12th. This quarter sessions include identifying compositional issues in your work, technical information from Gamblin representative Mary Tevlin, a painting clinic for works in progress, and much more. As always, members can join in on live sessions with questions and comments and can benefit anytime by interacting with other members on our members-only Facebook page. With 100 recorded sessions in the member library, there is always something to learn or review with topics ranging from technical advice to visual language to guest speakers and critiques of member work. To learn more about membership and to purchase Cold Wax tools and Rebecca and Jerry's book, Cold Wax Medium, Techniques, Concepts, and Conversations, please visit coldwaxacademy.com. That's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about personal and impersonal. We tend to think of artistic expression as being very personal, as coming from the artist's experiences, emotions, memories, and responses. But there are also many works of art that are not focused on personal expression. Instead, the artist is motivated to explore a more impersonal realm of ideas, patterns, and more universal concepts. For most artists, there is a balance between sources that are more and less personal, a balance in working between the heart and the mind. That individual balance is basic to the artist's voice and unique expression. Today, we're going to talk about these two different approaches to making art and the balance in your own art practice. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So these two approaches that you just mentioned in the intro, um, they sound very different in a way, but they also do have a lot of common ground. And so it's not an absolute division, um, and it's a little bit artificial to separate them a huge amount. But I think it's also useful to, to think about them as they are talked about in art history, art theory, and things like that, because there is, is a pretty clear distinction in a way, if you want to get simple about it. The terms that are used for these two approaches are formal and informal. So when we say art is formal, what that really means is the artist is mainly focused on form. So form is the... Um, all things like the composition of the piece, the visual elements used. And so that's not highly personal, right? That's just the way something looks. Um, and this formal approach is is sort of cool. I think of it as cool as opposed to the um, the other type of art, which is warmer and more emotional. But this uh, somewhat removed um, from emotion, from personal experience type of work. Um, and I think that it, it's a type of art that, as a viewer, it appeals more to a different part of you. It, it appeals to your more rational mind, maybe. Um, and it can uh, lead to sort of a thoughtful response. Uh, sometimes this, well, this category can include uh, some spiritual art as well, like um, mandalas or um, pattern work. And all these things that I'm talking about that are, you know, stepping aside from personal response, they lead to sort of a um, 
contemplative or elevated realm of thought, um, as opposed to uh, this informal term we use for kinds of work that come more from emotion and from um, the artist's personal experience. And what that, I think the way that the viewer connects with that type of work is different. I mean, it's not as intellectual, it's more, um, it's just more uh, gut feeling, you know, emotional response. And so that's, that's a way to think about these things being quite different. And both approaches um, are found all through art history, all time periods, all media. Um, I mean, if you just want to think about uh, historic figure painting, if you know the artists, uh, say, um, Vermeer and El Greco, I mean, two artists working with a figure in very different ways. Vermeer being more formal, um, more um, not very emotional. There are figures posed in calm settings, and they're beautifully rendered. El Greco, much more expressionistic, um, and they were they were roughly contemporaries. So, if that sort of division is what is what we're talking about, and we can see that really clearly, looking um, just at uh, abstract painting movements that started up in the early 20th century. And if we're talking about formal art, think about movements like Cubism, which was all about sort of visually examining objects from different angles. Um, Think about Joseph Albert's color studies. Think about the Bauhaus and design principles. So a lot of times this formal work is, um, it's often geometric, it doesn't need to be, has a kind of clean feeling. Um, it's very organized. And for a lot of people, it is harder to become involved with this type of work. It's a little bit harder to appreciate because, um, especially in abstraction, you may not have any recognizable subject matter to to pin something on. And there just is, it is more cerebral type of work. And it seems like it elicits, if somebody's going to appreciate really formal work, it seems to elicitate, elicit more like admiration or appreciation in a, on an intellectual realm than actually being emotionally moved by this kind of work. So the viewer's response is part of this too. And again, I'm being very generalized. This is, um, we're going to talk about how most artists are not in strictly in either one of these categories. Um informal type of work um, in terms of these abstract movements, um, abstract expressionism, many of the artists um, in that movement were what we would call informal, um, expressing a lot of energy and emotion. Um, This type of work just feels a little messier. It feels um, a little more gutsy somehow. And, And that's characteristic of this kind of more informal work. But again, these... Separating it into two categories is kind of interesting. It's a way of, um, I guess, getting a certain perspective on different kinds of work. But thinking of these as absolute categories really isn't very accurate because almost all artists, I would say, uh, pull from both um, ideas. And what you said in the intro about that's the, the type of balance that you find as an artist working with um, the more formal or intellectual qualities and the more informal and emotional qualities, 
the balance that you find in your own work, that's a part of your, your voice and what makes your work recognizable. And they're, <clears throat> they're really very inter- interdependent. Like they don't, <laughs> I can't think of very many examples where they're absolutely in their um, pure form as either totally emotional or totally intellectual. So um, I think it's kind of good to realize that with formal work, um, and no matter how impersonal it seems to be when you look at it, and maybe you just see a design, um, I still think it shows something about the artist's character and personality and motivations because they choose to work that way. And that, that may indicate the artist's um, desire for order, precision. Uh, it may indicate that the artist is is more intellectual and just maybe having an interest in in the mind and in and, and the perception perceptions that we have when we look at things. So maybe sometimes a little more scientific almost. And so but but also realizing that besides just saying something about the artist that made it, a lot of times a work can look very formal. And yet if you were to uh, find out where the artist's ideas came from, they might well be something like uh, responding to poetry or music, um, maybe exploring a particular color because of an emotional association with it. And that's kind of at the root of it. And so it, it's interesting to me that when you, when you look past what you see initially with this type of work and, and look at you know where the artist is coming from, well, we're all people. We're complex people. We have emotions and memories and things. It's just how they're expressed or channeled sometimes in this type of work. And another one that comes to mind is Agnes Martin's work where it looks extremely formal, um, just almost mechanically produced, uh, at least from a distance. And, and when you get up close, you see the more subtle variations from her hand but her paintings have titles like friendship and love, you know, and it's just, it's this odd juxtaposition. So um, I think that, that that is, that's, that to recognize that this type of work also comes from a human being is, is important. And um, informal work has just a different obvious appearance. I mean, it, it generally is connected more obviously with the artist's inner life and their personal experiences, um, their emotions, and, you know, not not so much attention on um, the formal qualities, but just like with the formal work, there is this component of the, of the uh, personal and the emotional. In this informal work, there's also, to make good work, you have to have formal concerns you know you have to be able to make a good composition and work well with the visual elements and and there's also something that can happen as you explore your feelings and you explore your emotions through your work um you arrive at a different place i mean you may start with something very personal as you work with it for a while it becomes an idea that you recognize is more universal so, for example, as an artist, you might be very interested in um, 
in in surfaces that look very eroded and very weathered and so on. And and then as you work with them over time, you start to recognize that there are bigger ideas here. There's bigger ideas about aging and time and those sort of things that are evoked that are a little more, you know, outside the very personal realm. They're a little more universal, more intellectual maybe. And so, you know, in those ways, there's so much conversation back and forth between these two ways of working. Yeah. Do you find, um, as, as, as an enjoyer of art, not necessarily as an artist, but as, as somebody who, who consumes art, do you find yourself drawn to, um, more personal work or, or more, uh, kind of structured work is, is that, do you find, uh, one more appealing than the other? Um, I think for myself, I look for that interesting balance between them. You know, I, I like, I like work that, that has that sort of, a thing I was just talking about where there's a bigger idea maybe that could be reached through the work. Um, even though I would be drawn to it more strongly, initially gut feeling if it has that expressive quality to it. So, and then maybe it starts to reveal other aspects of itself. And that 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 type of um, back and forth is really interesting. I I have a I personally have a little more trouble with really formal work, um, and it's kind of like that's well that's kind of why I said that it can evoke um, admiration and respect. That's kind of what I feel when I look at very formal work, beautifully done. Is um, uh, it's it and it's also it's admiring, but it's also calming sometimes to look at something that's just um, very structured, very beautiful. And I can understand that meditative feeling. I do like Agnes Martin's work. I mean, I there's a place in Taos, a Harwood Museum, where there's a room that only has her paintings in it, and you can sit in there, and it's really calming. It's really meditative. And so I'm intrigued by that. I think when I'm looking at work and really just feeling that an inner response for myself, it would be more the informal work that would pull me. Yeah, I, I think that that, uh, that kind of work tends to be more uh, uh, technique-oriented. Um, and, and oftentimes there's, there's very, very high levels of skill involved in, in the kinds of, of work that are going to um, sit more in that kind of category. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think you can actually pull it off, and and have it work <laughs> if it's not very well done. You know, it's that is part of it. It's part of the idea of it. I think is to be to have that uh, structure, that precision, that high level of um, ability to do it, and it's um, yeah, it can be very very striking work. Um, so it's, I think it's very good to, to keep an open mind. I think most artists would place themselves sort of in one camp or the other for the most part. But to keep an open mind and, and be able to understand the other perspective here uh, is, you know, I think it's broadening. It's, it's important for you as an artist, I think, to understand what can be contributed from this other way of working and and sometimes a weakness in our work 
um, might come from that other, you know, might we might we might do well to look at that other camp, so to speak, and say, what can I what can I learn? What could I bring into my work that was either more structured or more um, and more formal or you know more more personal, more emotional, um, and to know that both both have their contributions. Well, as you've pointed out, there is a balance between the two. And and I think that something that is purely expressive and personal that doesn't have structure and the, the kind of technique that goes with that way of working um, is, is not going to be impressive work, frankly. Um, and I, I think that something that is is purely, uh, you know, that that very structured and formal work that doesn't have that personal element isn't going to have that draw, that personal um, you know, mm-hmm. emotive element to it. So as you point out, both elements are necessary, but do you feel like maybe there's, it's better to start with one than the other? I think, I think people have personal inclinations and that um, understanding where your own personal bent is, is really, that's important. That's a good starting place. Um and this would be a good time to take a break because I have a lot more to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's take a quick minute to talk about what deals are available from Blick. Rembrandt Artists Oil Paints and Sets are currently 31 to 40% off list price. Rembrandt Artists Oil Colors are manufactured to exacting professional quality standards in Holland. They respond to the brush with a buttery feel and have a noticeable brilliance in color intensity rarely seen anywhere in the world. Rembrandt oils are highly durable and are produced with the highest color strength possible using valuable, costly, pure pigments. The pigments are ground to extreme fineness in a binder consisting of the purest linseed or safflower seed oil, resulting in an oil paint whose texture is exceptionally smooth, creamy, and even. To get your Rembrandt Artist Oil paints and sets at 31 to 40% off list price, please remember to use our affiliate link, which is of course MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. When you use our affiliate link, it takes you straight through to the regular Blick website. But when you use our affiliate link, Blick will donate a very generous 10% to the Messy Studio Podcast, which really helps us to pay bills around here. So once again, that's MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, B-L-I-C-K. All right, let's get back into it. Yeah, so right before the break, there was a question about... um, is it better to start with one or the other? And I said it's personal inclination. I will I will also say that understanding the formal qualities of art is is foundational. I mean, if you it's like practicing scales on the piano, you know. Right. Even if you don't particularly like doing it, it's important. And so whether, you know, if your personal inclination is more towards very informal, very expressive work, um, you still need to get that formal understanding, and and it will provide you a foundation in your work. Um, if you start with, you know, very formal work, that's your you identify that as your main interest. I think sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, you can find your way into something more personal or meaningful just by following that interest in form. Um, you can. You can come. You can come to a place where you say, "Oh, this particular technique or this particular thing that I've developed and worked with 
has started to speak to me on another level. It's starting to evoke things in me that I didn't really recognize at first. And that's that's another interesting journey, you know. So um, I think the formal stuff is important to work with. At what point you depart from it uh, is kind of individual, but you do need that foundation. I think it if you've been working in art for a while, you you probably know <laughs> which uh, which direction you're you feel is you. It, it, you know it feels like this is where I want to be. Um, if you haven't really thought about your work in those terms, it's kind of interesting. like what aspects of your work, are very formal, what, what aspects of your work are really personal and expressive, and to kind of pick it apart that way might be really um, interesting, give you ways to think about your work that, that you didn't have before. And another thing that I wanted to mention about this whole idea is that oftentimes people, artists, um, pretty well identify with either formal or informal work. It's kind of what they do. But they may have some insecurity about either one, like comparing themselves to other artists that work in a different way from them. And you might wonder, is what you're doing okay? I mean, is there some preference um, out there for formal work or informal work? Are you fitting, are you fitting in or are you, are you contributing something? I mean, there are some kind of vague doubts that can float around about these two different ways of working. People sometimes feel judgmental about the other way of working, you know, and say, oh, you know, that's that's junk or something, you know. And, and so to get this, like, just sort of an overview and say, okay, um, they're both equally valid. Um, where do I fit? And some, I, guess, I guess I go back to saying, let's say you're an artist who is very interested in formal ideas. And in terms of abstraction, this is what we call pure abstraction. Okay, you are just, a lot of times, you are just working with the visual elements and composition. You're, you're, it's arts for art's sake. There's, you're simply involved in the manipulation of the formal elements. Um, and you may also have other ideas like about patterning or um, you're drawing ideas from some other place. It's basically idea-oriented work, um, conceptual work. And if that's your way of working and you're feeling self-critical, you might think, well, well, what about, is this okay? I mean, are people going to relate to this? Is this, uh, you know, should I be somehow more expressive? Should I be somehow emotionally involved in this? And I think it's good to say, to yourself and to know that um, there are many, many highly respected works of art that would fall into this category. Um, you can find um, very formal works in minimalism, um, in, like I said, pure abstraction, conceptual art, um, even some pop art, you know, would fall into this category. And the thing that elevates this formal work to me, is that they there's a universality about them that's being expressed because they aren't focused on personal experience. There's and that can be a strength. I mean, you're you're looking for a bigger picture somehow. You're looking for um, something that's that's sort of true for everybody and not just you. Um, and that 
that understanding is a really solid base for this kind of work. And if you look at the ideas behind this kind of work that people have done, um, you know, you'll, you'll find that basis, I think. So um, on the other hand, people that work very expressively, very informally, very emotionally, sometimes they wonder, is my work serious enough? You know, does it have enough intellectual underpinning? You know, does it have, you know, is there, what's there besides my own personal feelings about something? And in the art world today, and, and this is a generalization, but the, the sort of the, the glossy magazine art world, um, conceptualism, conceptual art is highly valued. Um, there's an emphasis on the sort of desire that whatever an artist do, does should be, um, be able to be explained and justified and put into the, a bigger context of society or whatever. So, and this is, this is uh, you know, promoted in art school now. And yeah, this, this is kind of feeling, the emphasis on like artist statements, which we, I, you know, yes. <laughs> I think we've been somewhat critical of the way we that have. artist statements yeah, are written. This, it's this emphasis on, oh, it's not about, you know, you, the individual, as much as you saying something, say, having a message, being part of some bigger idea. Um, and so in the face of all that, I believe that artists that work in a very personal way Many of them confront this a little bit and say, "Is this okay?" On the other hand, wow, what do what do people who want to buy uh, paintings that they're going to live with and respond to will probably gravitate towards this more informal type of work or some combination? I mean, we're always talking about combination here, but but the, but you know. Things that have a personal, a really personal feeling, a really personal touch, always have appeal, and I think that is entirely valid and important that that these artists are bringing that type of work into the world. And um, there's also the the idea that we have talked about you and I many times of the personal leading to the universal, universal. Um, this ability as you work with personal uh, experience, ideas, emotions, there's something that you may reach a point where you feel it is a bigger picture. And the, the example I gave of the kind of eroded surfaces and, you know, starting out as something that somebody just responds to emotionally, as they work with it, it starts to unfold into bigger ideas. And those are more universal, aging, time passing, um, things changing. And so it's so, it's so not either or, you know, I mean, most artists are working with some combination of these approaches. So you don't have to pick a camp. You don't have to stick in a camp. They think both can, you know, really contribute. Um, but, you know, kind of understanding where, where you you know, what's your feeling, what, what's your stance and all this as an artist, it's, it can help you understand your own work, explain, talk about your work, and have some, some vocabulary for that. The, the formal concerns, bringing that sort of strength and universality to underpin your personal experience and the personal stuff, you know, can just help your formal ideas be more relatable, I suppose, and you know, bring a different response from the viewers. Um, 
I would say I just wanted to, you know, maybe mention like in my own work how this, how I see this uh, is a combination for sure in my own work. Um, I am more in the informal, expressive, emotional realm of things um, because I recognize that I use my own work as a way of processing my life, my experiences, my feelings. But all of those formal aspects of painting are also really important to me. And sometimes that's all I'm doing. Sometimes I'm just playing with color or trying out, you know, different types of lines or something. And it's it's not uh, it's not about a particular memory or emotion or expression. It's just I'm playing with form. <laughs> and that, I don't know, somehow that's so um, liberating in my work to know that Sometimes I just step back and and enjoy the actual process of making the work, enjoying the materials. And there is, you know, a connection in my work with, with landscape, especially with other things in my experience. And then I, I look at it as that feeds this kind of formal language. So I have a particular way of using um, visual texture, for example, that comes from you know, being out in the landscape, personal experience, interest. And then it turns into this language that can be used in, in other ways that are maybe not particularly personal. Maybe they're just um, something I, I think looks really good, you know, something I want to try. Um, so it's it's a back and forth for me. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because as a topic – because it's not that simple, you know, it's not these very simple divisions. It is, um, they're inter interrelated in so many ways. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Well, I would say that was a pretty quick view of a complex subject, but uh, possibly giving listeners a different perspective on their own work or, or work that they like to look at thinking about um, for your own work, what's your own balance of that emotional, personal, and more intellectual, um, conceptual stuff. And maybe ask yourself, could your work benefit from whatever you haven't really developed in the other realm? Can you, can you bring more of that in? I mean, that might make your work feel more satisfying to you and have more resonance, um, you know, with your viewers. And so it's, um, I guess, thinking about, you know, how you how you work with these two approaches can be helpful in, in just evaluating your work and thinking, you know, where could I go next? What, what would I like to develop more? All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at ColdWaxAcademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out RossTickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.